0: Go ahead, Abigail. I want to talk to you this morning as we continue our series on unprecedented. Everybody say, turn to somebody and say, unprecedented. Unprecedented. Last week we talked about Noah. promise I'll get my swing on here in just a minute Open. last week we talked about Noah and this unprecedented thing God did called a flood you realize many scholars say that there had never been rain up to this point water from the sky and God says build a boat oh what's that you're going to send rain? What's that? That's just mind-blowing to me. And we learned through his life that through faith, Noah was given a revelation. He was rescued, and he received God's gift of righteousness. Now, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. This is our theme scripture this week, or this this month, or these coming weeks. And it says this, Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. It will be on the screen. It says this, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Next slide. Behold, I am doing a new thing or an unprecedented thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I love this idea, especially as we're starting here. This is a new thing. This is an unprecedented thing. I'm not interested in doing things the way I've grown up doing them. I'm not interested in building a church just like every other church in Miami. I'm interested in doing something unprecedented, making a new way, a new thing. And, um, I, you know, I'm not interested in making mistakes. However, we'll make some. I'm really interested in doing it the way God and has intended this to be. Hearing his voice saying yes every day. Waking up in the morning saying, God, how do you want this done today? And seeing him say this way and saying, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. I'll make it that way. So that's this idea of unprecedented. So I have a story for you. Now, I don't know if you all know this. I think those of you who are closest to me know that I'm a chaplain with, uh, in law enforcement. I work with the Miami Police Department as a chaplain, and I work with the, the Ottawa County Sheriff's Department. So basically, I'm the dude that shows up at the front door of somebody and breaks very, very bad news. Now, I also get to hang out and just counsel the law enforcement deputies, the, the police officers. I get to – I've had opportunities to lead uh, deputies to Jesus, watch them have their lives transformed. I watched a, a deputy and his uh, – did you get the record going, Aaron? Good. Awesome. I watched a deputy whose life, marriage life, they were basically headed towards divorce, get that restored. So it was pretty cool. I get to do some really neat things as a chaplain. But one of the coolest things that I get to do as a chaplain is go on – not the coolest, but maybe the – okay, adrenaline side. I get to hang out with them in the line of duty. I get to go in the patrol cars, respond to calls, go fast when the time is appropriate. I like those things. I I think – has anybody ever been in a patrol car running lights and sirens across? It's kind of exciting, isn't it? Yeah. And and, and I, I get in the car with people and I'm like – or with, with deputies and, or, or police officers and I'm like, listen, I'm not out here to be entertained. I'm out here to really get to know you. But really I'm lying through my teeth. I'll just tell you right now. I'm lying through my teeth because I, I like the adrenaline. It's fun. I, I chase tornadoes. Did you know that? I do. I chase tornadoes professionally. I get on the list. If you want to go out with me, that's an opportunity. But just know that if you're getting on the list today, you're about five or 600 deep. So just for what it's worth, Bo, you've been bumped to the top of the list just, just for what it's worth. So anyway, um, but here's something that happens more often than not that annoys me to no end. And I will go on a ride-along. And then I will come in the very next day and I'll be talking to a deputy or somebody and they say, Man, you should have stayed. Because right after you left, I went to pull a car over and I got in a pursuit. I have been a chaplain for fifteen years. (coughs) Excuse me. And I have never been in a patrol car in a pursuit. I think that would be like crazy fun. I don't know about you, but I like to put my life in the line, I guess. And Whatever, but I think that would be pretty stinking awesome or or um, I'll, I'll come in and they say you should have been here yesterday. It happens. I, I rode uh, Friday night and Ottawa County just got in a pursuit on Wednesday that went up into Joplin. It's not fair. Why wasn't I riding Wednesday? Well, because I wasn't in town or if I'd have been in town, we would have been at my house loving on Jesus. But I just which obviously is better than a pursuit. But I'm just saying things are always happening like that in my life. Where I, I just get out of the car a minute too soon. I, there was one time. Can I tell another story before I get into the Word? Because. <laughs> This is, okay, so there was one time, which it did work out real well. I didn't get out almost too soon. But I was I was riding, in, and I got out of the car, and, and I was walking into the, the police station. This is in Rogers, and, and the, the, the guy I was riding with, we were walking together. And they, at the time, had things called warbles. And a warble is the radio would go be doo 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 doo. And that meant if you were in a patrol car, you just. Turned on your lights and sirens and floored it and hope you're going in the right direction until you heard what the call was. It was a everybody respond, emergency traffic kind of deal. So we got the warble, we just ran to his car. I was already done. I already got. Uh, he was no longer checked. What's called 1012. He was no longer with me in his car. But he, I was like, screw that. Can I say that? And I'm going with you. And it turned out that there was a, an officer from another agency in our city that was in a fight with a dude. I was going to that, but I caught that one. Anyway, that has nothing to do with missing. But how many of you would say that it just seems like all the time, I just don't quite get to what I hoped for? It happens all the time. I think we call that word disappointment. How many of you would agree that you've been disappointed before, right? Disappointment sucks. I hate to be disappointed so if you can, Hebrews chapter 10, most of this, I'm going to have a really long scripture that's not going to be up there, a set of scriptures, but Hebrews ten thirty six, out of the NIV says this, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. What a great scripture. You need to persevere. You need to hang in there. You need to hold on. You've got to realize that, oh, go back up there. Can you go? Yeah. You need to hold on because... When you've done the will of God, you will receive what he's promised. So many times we give up just too soon. And we don't want to do that. Go to Ephesians chapter 6, 13 and 14. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may able to withstand the evil day. And having done all, turn to somebody and say, I've done all. Does that mean you can do more? If you've done all, is there any more to do? No. If you've done all, is there any more to do? No, that's right. So if if I've done all to do, it says, stand firm. But I can't stand any firm. The Word of God says, but stand. What? I've done everything I can. Then stand. But how do I keep standing? Stand, it says, in verse 14, it starts off, stand Therefore. And then it takes us through putting on the armor of God, put on the breastplate of righteousness and all these wonderful things that when you go back and break the words down exegesis, or something like that cool word that I just said totally wrong. When you break it down, you're putting on Jesus, which is really pretty cool because there's no one I would rather carry with me, before me, around me and on me than Jesus because he's the coolest dude ever. But I'm going to tell you right now, this is a message on standing. And then Galatians 6, 9 says this, and let us not grow weary in doing good. And this is the good part. For in due season, we will reap if we don't give up. Now, look at your neighbor and point in their face and say, don't give up. That's right. So this week, last week was Noah. This week's unprecedented story is Joshua as he marches around Jericho. Another great Bible school story. Another great, if you've ever been to VBS, another great story about Joshua. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 20 in its entirety without trying. I'm going to try really hard not to interrupt it, but you'll learn that that's really hard for me. But let's see if I can do it. Are you ready? Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 20. If you've got your Bibles, here we go. Now, say now. Jericho was shut up. Oh, we're not supposed to say that word. Now, sorry, now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. Now, none, none went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city. All the men of war going around the city once Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. And on the seventh day, you shall march around the city. Seven times and the priest shall bow before or shall blow the trumpets. Verse five says, and when they made a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up. Everyone straight before them. I love that God, he doesn't do this always for me. But I love right here. See, here I go interrupting because I have more to read and I've already interrupted. I love, though, that in this part here, God has given him the picture. He doesn't typically do that, but he says, hey, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell you, if I can be totally honest, I have no clue how God is going to do Word of Life, Miami. He hadn't given me the big picture. Now he's given me snippets. He's given me ideas. He's given me dreams. He's asked me to do some pretty big things. But I don't know how this is going to shape out except that it's going to be pretty stinking awesome because we're in this together just saying yes to god every day but i love that this is god's direction to joshua and it's very clear i love that but here's josh in chapter six and he said so joshua the or verse six so joshua son of Nun, <coughs> called the priests and said to them said to them take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the lord and he said to the people go forward march around the city and let the armed men pass on before the ark of the lord and just as joshua had commanded the people the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of the ram's horns before the lord went before blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant and the lord followed them isn't that interesting so god gives josh the entire picture josh gives the people what to do today what a sneaky crazy crazy guy do you think maybe he was testing the loyalty of the people following him i don't know Maybe that's conjecture. I don't have a clue. But I think it's just interesting that God gives Josh the big picture. Josh gives the people what to do today. Hmm. Maybe I could learn something from that. Um, so anyway, verse 9. The armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets and the gear and the rear guards. And the rear guard was walking before the, or after the ark. While the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about at once, and they camped and they came. Into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Then Joshua rose early the next morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests, bearing the seven trumpets of the ram's horns before the ark of the Lord, walked on, and they blew the trumpets continually. And the armed men were walking before them, and the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord while the trumpets blew continually. In verse 14, on the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did for six days. And on the seventh day they rose early at the dawn of the day, and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on, this, on that day that they marched around the city seven times. So only on the seventh day that they marched around seven times. So on the previous six days, they marched one time. On the seventh day, they marched seven. Did you get all that? If you didn't, you got it now. And on the seventh time, while the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Wow, what an awesome thing to hear. And the city and all that was within it, "...shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom was sent. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing of destruction and bring trouble upon it. But the silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord, and they shall go in the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown." As soon as the people heard the shout of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat. So the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. What a cool story. So people followed him. What kind of a leader do you think Joshua was? That, like, after the third day, I'd have been like, okay, this is crazy. Now, I want you to realize that only Jericho, we we think of this big, massive city. Okay, I got to fix that. Jericho was this <clears throat> city that only took about an hour only took about an hour to walk around. So it wasn't massively large. I mean, it took an hour. So, I mean, it wasn't totally small, but the thing about Jericho wasn't so much the size, but it was the walls. They had built such tall fortified walls, and that was its strength. So, you've got these uh, this this army come, and the people of Jericho, what do you call them, Jerichoites? Jer- okay, so this people of Jericho stands there, and all they had was their wall of defense. which So it, it was very, very, very high, okay? And so this is a big deal that God would do this. And so I'm thinking the leader that Je- that Joshua must be, That after three days, the people still get up that morning and they still follow him. And after four days, and after five days, and after six days. Man, I think at some point after marching around this tall walled city, I'd be like, okay, nothing is happening. Nothing is taking place. There's no significance to what we're doing. All it seems like we're doing is going around in circles. Nothing's changing. All that's happening is I'm getting blisters. This is crazy. This is pointless. Six days, mm, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to, I'm going to sit this one out. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to go another day. This is ridiculous. This is stupid. Joshua has lost his ever-living mind. I'm not making this happen. But in looking at this, I've got three observations on how we can keep from stopping short of our passion. Think about stopping short of our passion. You see, we all start out with great passion towards things. We get an idea to, to, to remodel a, a kitchen. And, a, and we get tired of that last cabinet that must be painted because we decided to do a crazy glaze. Or whatever it is. What is that one thing? I've got a kitchen that I've, been, I've, I've started remodeling and I still haven't put the knobs on all of the cabinets. And I still have exposed plugs. And I still... I still haven't hung a blind in Abigail's room. We've got those things that we start, start out with such great passion, and we don't. Think about marriage, for those of you who can or have experienced this. We start out with such great passion only for it to die. I can tell you of so many marriages that ended in divorce a day too soon, a day before the restoration, a day before it got great. I'm going to tell you, there are things that we start out with passion that we give up too soon. So what if I could tell you through this story three things that we could implement in our lives, three observations, three things that if we would look at and apply on our lives, we could see us go forward into the passion, continue it forward instead of stopping short of the passion progressing in our lives. What would happen in our lives if we applied those things? So let's look at them, shall we? Sure. I thought you would want that. So real quick, verse two in this Joshua story, it says, <coughs> goodness, and the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hands. The thing that's really interesting is here's Joshua. He's. goodness. Here's Joshua, and he's with the Lord, and he's the, the God. God is giving him this great plan, and he speaks in past tense. I have given Jericho. Now, I don't know. Joshua is sitting here, and he's seeing this fortified city with tall walls, and God says, I've I've given you this city. You know, God likes to get – this isn't point one yet. I haven't got there, but God likes to do things where he tells us in past tense – what's about to happen there's a there's a a neat gospel or new testament parallel to that and that's found in second timothy 1 6 through 12 and it says for this reason i'm reminded to fan the flame of the gift of god this is paul talking to timothy that is within you through the laying on of hands for god gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and self-control therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our lord nor of me his prisoner but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of god look at verse 9 it says who saved us And called us into a holy calling. That is a past tense thing of what God is going to do in our lives. He saved us. Listen. Before he knew you, he saved you. We have to step into that. We have to experience that. We have to apply that in our lives. But God loves to talk to us in the past tense about something he is going to do. He likes to talk to you. Think about it. By his stripes, we were healed. This is something that God implements before we get to see it, but it is as if it has already been done. I'm going to tell you there are things that God has spoken over us. There are things that he has put in our lives. There are things that he has promised us, prophesied for us. There are things that he has yet to implement in our lives. Lives, but He has spoken it, therefore it will come to pass. We've just got to stay the course, stay in line, be prepared to experience in our lives and know that God has spoken it and it is going to come to pass, so hold fast to see it come to pass in your life i'm telling you god loves to speak things over us before we get to physically see them and when he speaks it i'm telling you it is if it's really happened already even though we don't see it now are you following me so let's look at point number one observation number one your perspective might be obstructed this is what keeps us from seeing our passion your, obstru- your perspective is obstructed, and this has to do with endurance. So, just because your perspective is obstructed doesn't mean that God is not going to fulfill things. Now, this is a question we can ask ourselves, and it's this: What do you do when you see, when what you see looks nothing like what God is saying? Hmm. What do you do when what you see looks nothing like what God is saying? What do you do when all you see is the obstacle and you can't see the fulfillment of what God is doing? Oh, so kind. You've got the obstacle now. Now that you're going to hear the click, click, click on my teeth, but I'm going to love it. What do you do? You've got this obstacle, Jericho, the great big wall. God is saying, I'm going to give you this city. And Joshua would say, how can you give me this city? All I see is the wall. All I see is what's keeping me from what you've promised. Jericho is the, the, the pivotal point to moving on into the promised land. It's the first city to encounter. It's the first city to conquer. It's the thing that is between them and what God has promised. And here it is, the big wall. What's the obstruction in your life? What's the wall? What's the one thing that all you can see is instead of God? But I might say this, the intensity of the opposition in your life is proof of God's power in your life. Because what would happen if there was nothing in your life for God to be able to prove himself true to you through? What would you do if there was nothing in your life for God to be able to perform a miracle through? Would we need Him? Would we see Him? Would we have the ability to see the power of God? I am convinced with all of my heart that God is allowing certain things in our life not to be punishment, not to be mean, but to allow Himself to remove in front of us so we can see His hand at work through and in our lives. And here's what's amazing. If we can lift the name of God high... If we can get our praises lifted up, if we can declare how awesome he is in spite of the obstacle, now our praise now lifts us up above the walls and we get a greater perspective. You see, there's something about obstacles that give us perspective. There's something about the handiwork of God that allows a perspective change in our lives. And I tell you, if you haven't been through something, you don't have a perspective of how real God is. So, your perspective is obstructed. Point number two observation about things that keep us from seeing our passion fulfilled. This is huge. Our progress isn't obvious. I've been there. This deals with faith. Our progress isn't obvious. Second Corinthians five, seven says we walk by faith and not by sight. The progress isn't obvious, man. I'm I'm a progress guy. There's nothing I hate more in the world than painting a white wall white. I like progress. I like to see what it was and where I'm headed. I don't like to get stuck in a rut. I like to make new ruts. Man, when I got out this morning, it may have just been a dusting, but no one else other than myself had driven on my road, and I loved it. I am the guy that gets out and drives in the snow on purpose because I love to see progress happen. Question. Just because your progress isn't obvious. Oh, that's not my question. Here it is. Will you keep, huh, Skipped a point. Will you keep walking even if it doesn't seem like it is working? There's a man in my life that's been a mentor. His name is Kevin Kinchen. Kevin Kinchen nine years ago, was diagnosed with ALS. ALS has a mortality rate of six to seven years. That means if you're diagnosed with ALS, you're typically, on average, going to live six to seven years. Nine years ago, diagnosed, he is still living and strong. Now... The symptoms are manifested severely in his life. But I remember talking to him shortly after the, the um, diagnosis, and he began to weaken in his hands, and he was starting to have to use Velcro to be able to, to get dressed, and he was wearing – it was just crazy. He couldn't – he was becoming severely limited. And I remember the question that was asked. This is a man that preaches Jesus like no one I've ever seen. He is the most encouraging, uplifted, optimistic man I've ever known in my life to this day. When Vanessa and I visit with him, it is full of joy and laughter that we visit with him. Even if you can barely understand a word he says, he's laughing through our conversations. And the the question was asked, even if I'm in a wheelchair and can barely talk, will I still preach Jesus? And will I still declare that he heals? And the answer was absolutely. And it's easy to say that there, but now that he is sitting in a wheelchair with no use of his arms, and can barely talk. I tell you, you cannot understand a word he says. He is preaching Jesus, and he's preaching that he still heals, and he writes blogs with his feet, and he's making an impact in people's lives because he's sitting here in this place understanding that even if his progress towards healing isn't, obvious. He has the faith to know that God is going to fulfill a promise in his life. Just because your progress isn't obvious doesn't mean your faith isn't working. Listen to me. It has nothing to do with your faith working or not. It has everything to do with the goodness of God and his promise to fulfill it in his time, not ours. God never promised to do anything in our time frame. Did you hear that? God never promised to do anything in our time frame. He is going to fulfill it in His way, in His timing, in the way that brings the best good for His plan. Joshua six through seven, six six through seven. Back to our passage, he says. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant. This deals with the presence of God. And let the seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. This is praise. And, And he said to the people, Go forward and march around the city and let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. And then they went home. And they did it again. There wasn't progress until the seventh day. And there wasn't progress until the seventh time Around. Oftentimes we aren't given the full picture. So we listen. Oftentimes God doesn't give us the full picture. Why? So we don't get the credit. Listen, I I, it seems like I'm pointing this picture of a sovereign God. Maybe because I am. But it's all about him because it is. Listen, he's not a mean, evil dictator sitting in heaven. He's a loving, caring, gracious, awesome God. But he is going to fulfill a plan that is bigger than we can ever imagine. My point number three. The things that keep us short of our passion. The process is open-ended. Hmm. This deals with trust. Simply the question is, how long, Lord? How long am I going to go through this? How long is it going to take to see the fulfillment of the promise? How long do I have to deal with this sickness? How long do I have to be in this relationship? How long before you do this? How long before revival comes? How long before I get to see what I have seen in my mind's eye to come to fruition? How long? I think we've all said this, I don't mind walking, but I just need to know how long. I think that the army of, that had followed Joshua could have said to him over and over again, I don't mind this walk around the city twice. I don't mind this walk three times. I don't mind even the sixth time. If I knew there was an end to the walk, how long do I need to walk? How long do I need to go? What would have happened if they asked that question on 6 and sat down? Do you ever ask why is this just not working? I'm following your will. I'm following the Word. I've read the Bible. I know what it says. I'm doing what it says. But nothing is panning out. Nothing is working. I'm on the sixth time around. And the wall still isn't coming down. Why is there no victory? Why is the wall still in front of me? Why is there an obstacle? Why is my perspective the way it is? God, where are you? And then comes the seventh. But what if they sat? That could have been bad. What if they sat on six? I'm here to tell you this morning don't stop at six. Don't make the mistake. Don't give up on your situation a day too soon. Because I tell you today, day seven is coming, the seventh day is coming. Your seventh day is coming. What is that situation? What is that circumstance? What is that that you're holding out for? What is that promise that God has put in your life that you cannot wait to see it fulfilled in your life that you aren't seeing just yet? I'm here to prophesy. Your day seven is just right around the corner. You may have stepped into day seven and you still have seven more walks around the city, but you are on day seven. It is today today. Your seventh day is upon you. And I want to tell you this. Day seven is here. And it might be time to start shouting. But don't be confused. Because it's not your shout. And it wasn't the Israelite shouts that brought the walls down. It was obedience and the persistence and I'm telling you, you're going to get your shout on, but you've got to stay obedient in the persistence. Your shout is coming. The walls are going to come down, but stay obedient in your persistence. Philippians 1 6. And I'm sure of this that he who began a good work in you, what a great promise, will bring it to completion. At the day of Jesus Christ. And then I read this this week. I wasn't even looking. I was going to be done here. And I just felt like this had to be thrown in here. And it says this. 2 Corinthians 4. 16 and 18. That is why we are here. Or that's why we are not discouraged. That though outwardly we are wearing out. (laughs) Inwardly we are. Renewed day by day, our suffering is light and temporary and is producing for us an eternal glory that is greater than anything we can imagine. We don't look for things that we can see, but things that can't be seen. Things that can be seen are only temporary, but things that can't be seen last forever. The promise is this. Day seven is here, and the reward is eternal. What you've been going through isn't for temporary effect, but for eternal consequence. Amen. Father God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that we're standing strong. Lord, I thank you for the promise that it is day seven upon us. That day seven is here. Lord, I promise that I will stay the course. Lord, for anyone in the room today that is suffering, that is struggling, that has come against an obstacle, and that was ready to throw in the towel, that was ready to give up, that just, they might have said yesterday, might have even got up this morning and said, I'm going to church, God, but I'm over it. Lord, I thank you that your word... is a promise and your fulfillment is our victory. And in our obedience and in our persistence is your completion. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We love you. We're going to stay the course. And we're going to keep on walking. We're going to march. And I can see it coming soon. The shout. The shout is upon us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, I was going to have another song.